You are now listening to LFL Talk with Adri and Marcus. Hello and welcome to episode four of LFL Talk. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows. Joining me as ever is my favourite co-host, your favourite co-host, the whole world's favourite co-host, Marcus Henson. How are you, buddy? Hey, I love that. That should be the constant intro. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, we'll get that one on playback for you, buddy. Don't you worry. How have you New been, sir? Tone. Yeah, maybe you can have it as like a message tone. I think I will. <laughs> yeah, nice work. How's tricks been, buddy, anyway, since our last podcast? Uh, I've been very good. Uh, very busy down here. Um, getting myself in the spirit of football, setting up a team down here myself. That's been keeping me very, very busy. Oh, so well. it's all good. Well, we've got a few minutes, so uh, why don't you have a, a talk about that and fill our listeners in on, on the new team that you're setting up down there in Plymouth? Oh, I'm setting up in Plymouth basically with the university... It's, it's starting off as flag football. One, because, uh, you know, it's more inclusive. We can get guys, girls together, just people who've never experienced the sport to come down and give it a go. Um, and running it through the university means we also get access to a lot of their funds and facilities, which is always a good thing. So that's going to be start, starting up in September, but I'm doing a lot of the legwork now to make uh, make the sort of setup as quick and easy as possible. Plus, as well, as I come back to university in September, the two don't really clash. I've got everything up and running and I can just then ease into year two of university without having to worry about setting up the team as well. Nice work. Well, I don't know about you, my friend, but it's been a month since we've had our last proper LFL conversation. So I think we should get cracking and move on to some news. Here is the news. First up on the news front, I think we should cover something we've only just seen about five minutes prior to recording, and uh, that is the new announcement about a new franchise coming to the LFL in 2015. Do you want to share that with our listeners, Marcus, or shall I do the honours? Uh, yeah. For all you guys who, who are listening, uh, it's currently the, the 10th of June, and we've just found out that Washington is going to get itself a franchise. Uh, I'm sure Mitch... Uh, which has been looking to do this for a long time, big red fan as he is. Um, and so Washington Warriors uh, will be coming to uh, our LFL uh, podcast next year. Sorry for the interruption, folks. This is a producer speaking. I'd just like to point out that the name of the team is the Washington Warriorettes and not the Washington Warriors, as just stated by Marcus. Let's move <laughs> on to the um, the next thing we have on the list, and that would be the announcement of the Australia All-Fantasy team that's going to be announced on the next episode of Commissioner's Corner, which people will be able to see on the official YouTube channel uh, www.youtube.com forward slash my LFL who do you think may maybe making the all fantasy team Marcus say we go in the old schoolyard sort of picking teams I think I definitely have Sherry Lee as one of my first couple of picks uh, I'm trying to think <sighs> see running back wise it's kind of well Bonnie Gillespie would, would be your number one I think I don't think there's any doubt about that but then there's also the likes of uh, Brittany Ware as well from Western Australia Angels who I would definitely like to have on my team because she looks like an exciting talent. A two running back system I definitely think would be uh, an interesting prospect to, to look into doing. I think with Australia as well, they definitely showed that they had uh, the, the defensive talent. So, I mean, that's just me being defensively minded, but I'd also try and get uh, Bronte Zaya onto my team as well. I'd want to get a good secondary in there. 
as well. I, I think the talent as well on on offense is going to be outstanding. I really, really can't wait for this uh, this next episode of Commissioner's Corner. Yeah, it seems to be like there's going to be a lot of announcements on there. And of course, it's uh, on their official Facebook page as well that they're set to announce a major broadcasting deal here in the UK and Ireland. So I'm wondering if maybe if it's just going to be one big news-packed episode of Commissioner's Corner, I think that would be massive. I mean, do we want to try and speculate what might be happening there? Uh, I, I, I don't know whether or not we'd be getting ourselves some kind of package deal where I know at the moment the live games are streamed online and all you lucky uh lucky lucky listeners in the u.s you guys can actually watch the game streamed uh live as they happen and so i would absolutely love for that to be the same case uh for us here in bonnie old england oh absolutely i mean i'd be staying up late every weekend to be catching those games for sure there's there's no doubt in my mind staying up till sort of three four in the morning or getting up at three or four in the morning actually to watch like the vegas games and the la games because they're always obviously played at eight o'clock kickoff Pacific time, so it kind of pushes it a little bit further into the morning for us. But you know, we're used to it with all these Grand Prix here, there, and everywhere. So definitely, that would be amazing if we can get live streaming here in the UK. That would be absolutely fantastic. I think before we finish off, do you have anything else there that you want to add to the news column? And uh, news column wise, um, there's been uh, a lot of a uh, lot of going ons with the the schedule, as it were. A lot of uh, cancellations due to um, you know, it started off at the beginning of the year where we had to change around the season opener because of um, the centre was uh, uh, was unavailable. And we've also had a couple more instances where um, later in the year, uh, one example we've got is the Toledo Crush game had to be rearranged. So their season opener has been moved back to Friday, J- July the 1st. However, you might want to get hold of Scooby-Doo here because this is when it goes a little crazy and we've got a bit of a mystery on our hands. Okay, before we do that, so just to confirm to everyone, that was the May 31st game between Toledo Crush and uh, Jacksonville Breeze, which they've been awarded a draw for according to the um, according to the standings. Yes, that's it. And uh, the movement of that one against Jacksonville, that got awarded a tie. However, it got me starting to go a little digging and digging into the schedule. And so I've noticed there's a couple of other sort of disappearing Houdini games going on. One of these games is LA versus Green Bay, which was supposed to be this weekend on July the 14th. If you go back to the original posting of the the, the season schedule, like yonks ago. Um, oh, you mean was, June the 14th? Sorry, buddy, just to confirm. Oh, do, yes, sorry, June the 14th. So this Saturday um, in present time. But for some reason... You're looking at the actual current schedule system. It's disappeared. And both LA and Green Bay now, their standings have been updated to have a tie each. So for some reason, this game, this this game's just disappeared somehow and um, just been awarded a tie. But there's no reasons why. Wow. Well, firstly, great work, buddy. Great investigation there. So we need to try and find out exactly why that one got cancelled. I'm still wondering why the Toledo one got cancelled because it wasn't very much news around that so whether it was a problem with not being able to fill the stadium or commitments from the stadium or the league or vice versa you know so 
the but, the I do I do know the reason for the Jacksonville game. They have posted that. That was apparently due to the fact is that they were unable to get the filming rigs sort of set um, to, oh. to, to to Toledo and stuff like that. They, oh, of course, post- yeah, yeah, good point. Well, that was where they had the issues where they had the Friday night game first, didn't they? And then yeah, they couldn't get them to Saturday. Yeah, apologies. I did. I did also. I do remember seeing that now. Sorry. So that was a logistical issue. So that's why that one got cancelled. But as far as the LA Green Bay game, that's just that's gone into the annuals of mystery. But what really that makes me think now, because you look at the standings, LA currently stand one one and one, and whether or not this this Houdini game, this disappearing act will actually play a bigger part going down the road into playoffs, I, I really don't know. Well, I'd imagine it would do, because if you think now that in order to get ahead of LA, Seattle, for example, just need to win two more games. Exactly. And it's the same uh, that's happened here that's befallen Jacksonville. By not actually being able to to play against Toledo, and what I think they get there is a victory, and being awarded the tie, I think it's almost being deterritable to them, because Jacksonville really, I think, we we discussed this at the beginning of the year. They could go four and zero. Yeah, we did. And thinking of that, actually, on the on the flip side as well, with the LA Green Bay game, with the way that Green Bay have been playing, you'd have to say that that LA would have been looking at that game as an opportunity to increase their points difference going in towards the end of season ra- rankings as well. Yes. So now for me, these these two disappearing games, um, whether reasoned or not, they just seem to. It's going to make the fact that some of these teams have been the ties actually hurt them. Whereas some teams, it's actually um, it's helped them really in a way. Yeah, make things interesting because we've got we'll come on to it a bit later on. But there's a big game involving Seattle coming up this week that will have big playoff implications as well. Or well, it, it will do for for sure. There's no doubt in my mind that Chicago. I'm going to go out and say it. I've kind of uh, spoiler alert already. But uh, when we come on to it later, the Seattle versus Chicago game this Friday. It's going to be a massive game. If Chicago win that, with the tied game now for LA, you'd have to say that Chicago will go on to win the Western Conference if they can beat Seattle. Yep, I, I completely agree. It's almost taken the sting out of um, Temptation's tail. Yeah, and the other thing is as well, is we'll, we'll come on to this, I think, a lot later, actually. So moving swiftly on from that, well done on the uh, front there, finding out that another game had been cancelled, which uh, sucks for all of us LFL fans, really. But we know the league, I'm sure, will have very good reasons for, for doing so. It's just a shame we're not going to have the, the full calendar of fixtures this year. Hi, this is Tony from Delicious in Hemel. If you like a bit of banter with your sandwiches, then come on down to us. We do baguettes, ciabattas, paninis. We can even discuss the LFL with you. So why don't you come and give us a try? And if you want some more details of our menu, see the links on the Legends Lounge page. Now we come to that point in our show where we have a look back over the games that have taken place since our last recording. And we start with that behemoth clash of the titans, the Chicago Bliss versus LA Temptation game from May the 9th. Marcus. Ooh, wee, was this a game? This was a monster, monster game. Hard hitting, scoring. It's a great game. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I, I don't know, what can I say? I just... I'm almost lost for words. I was speechless because it was a game that just kept me enthralled through the whole... All four quarters. You couldn't stop watching for four (laughs) quarters. This is what it... it, it, 
the great thing about it is it delivered exactly what it said on the tin, where we knew we were going to get a, a slug match. And, you know, I've used the boxing analogy a lot in the past, but it was that. It was like two heavyweights just clashing at each other, going the full sort of 12 rounds and sort of beating each other. You you watch you watch the games, and it really does come down to this idea of those extra points and how much they actually add up at the end of a game. Yeah, there's been a, f- a couple of games like that this year, I think. And they talk about it during the commentary as well, don't they? It's just so silly how some teams have just been deciding to go for two points all the time rather than just getting the solid extra point where you're only a yard away from the end zone and just kind of secure the ball. Even if it's just a quarterback draw, you know, you're probably 90% of the time you're going to get an extra point. So why risk going for two unless it's late in the game and the game's on the line? Yeah, I mean, it does make sense. For me, as well, it goes down to getting very movie-style cheesy here, but Pacino's speech where he talks about, you know, fighting for the inch on any given Sunday. And you think, you've only got a yard to go. The amount of inches you've got to fight. And so you think he says all those inches will add up to a victory. It's like all those little extra points they add up to victories they, they add up to that extra effort that extra outmaneuvering of your opponent extra outthinking it's, it's not just it's not about hard hits all the time it's not always just about beating the person you know putting your foot on their throat and not letting it up sometimes you have to actually you have to use your brains and actually attack the game with a sense of direction and planning and to a degree though the la temptation they seem to have a bit of a, a good game plan when they were exposing the lack of coverage in chicago backfield because solano hit a couple of deep bombs didn't you a couple of sort of 30 35 yard part touchdown passes i wasn't too impressed i must admit with the uh, the set the secondary um they seemed to get enough sort of pressure on solano but her maneuverability within the pocket just meant that she could just turn turn around and then she could just break away if she wanted to or yeah. throw that deep ball as we know yeah absolutely and there's a, a few of the the passes and uh to quote something off uh one of the nfl comments i've seen recently i'd have to say that i think ashley solano throws a sexy deep ball <laughs> <laughs> a bit like russell wilson apparently he too throws a sexy deep ball <laughs> ah there you go yeah um, i heard that on the dave damashek program so uh, <laughs> you know a name, must actually, be true. I want, a name i want to give praise out to is kiara patterson because they used her a lot more in the running game and sort of opened up because i know they got carmen borso and what what a trade they got from las vegas that's just that's amazing yeah up free her. agent pickup wasn't it rather than a trade i think amazing deal there but the way they used kiara patterson the way she has her, her, her size and speed and strength was able, I mean, just constantly abusing the secondary. If you look at your chess pieces, you know what each of your chess pieces does on, on a board, right? And you know their strengths and weaknesses. And I feel that actually at the beginning of the game, LA knew better how their pieces worked and their strengths and weaknesses and used to get the better of the strengths out. And I think she was definitely one of the, the key pieces in that. On the flip side, so yeah, in the second half in particular, I thought Chicago's run game through Christelle Harris. We know Christelle Ferrari Harris is probably the best running back in the league. But at the same time, there was a certain centre who kept one of the best linebackers in the game completely quiet pretty much throughout that whole contest. And that's Hallie Jiskra, the centre free agent signing as well for Chicago. I think she had an immense game and... It's not very often we talk about offensive linemen, so I think we definitely need to give some credit to uh, to Hallie for her performance in that big, big game. For me, the, what was the key for the, the victory came down to, you say actually we don't give the offensive line enough credit. I want to actually extend that further. I want to say this game was won by both 
offensive and defensive lines of Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. Just thinking the uh, the tackles they made on the likes of uh, Ogum Tuchindu and, and people like that in the running game. Yeah, I mean, you look, I, I honestly think defensive line, especially the, the mix of uh, Rice on Lee and Taylor is the best in the LFL, bar none. That's a bold statement right there. I honestly think it is going to. They're gonna they're gonna mould even even more as this season goes on. I mean you've got the great Aussie import in Sherry Onley, and I think it's gonna come down to the fact that as they keep on developing, I mean you, you say that they've got their other real big game is tonight, right? This week, sorry, not tonight. Um against the Mist. And then I think they're gonna be looking to really punishing the likes of Green Bay and the sin for the last two games, I think that will give them the confidence. The way that the schedule has worked is that will give them the confidence running into the into the playoffs. And these if these if these three women can just gel together, it's got the foundations to be the greatest line. And at the moment, I don't think there's there's another defensive line to uh, compete with them. So that's including Jacksonville's D line. Yep, that's the one where she's just going to say yes. That's all we're going to get. It's better than the uh, the sin line with Brace at the helm and stuff like that. I, honestly, it's it's the best defensive line in the LFL, bar none. Bar none. Okay, so we move on from the Temptation <laughs> Bliss game, which I think we should now because it's uh, seems like it's been going on for a while. But even though it was just a cracking game, so we haven't had the chance to watch it. I believe it should still be available on the official YouTube channel, which we, we mentioned earlier, youtube.com slash mylfl. We then move on to Green Bay Chill versus Las Vegas Sin. And what was our second chance to see Sydney Cummings? Hi, everybody. It's the producer once again. Sorry for the interruption. Um, I just wanted to point out that the girl's name is Cindy Cummings, not Sydney Cummings. I know that the commentators got her name wrong for the first 15, 20 minutes of the Sin versus Temptation game, but it's Cindy Cummings, hence why her nickname is Super Cindy. Thank you. Yes, that's right, yeah, because she previously got demolished by Los Angeles Temptation, didn't she? So this was a bit but... more of a... But she put in a great performance there, and it's it's definitely it's showing that the fact that she is currently st- sitting on top of uh, of the passing passing rating, she is the number one passing quarterback this year so far. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think you can you can down those stats. Admittedly, it was against a, a Green Bay team that well, they're they're not great on defense, are they? We've already kind of had this discussion. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what what, what it was that was going on. Just having a look at some of the stuff, uh, Green Bay themselves offensively I know they're still trying to find their way with Jessica Payton developing as quarterback and the fact is that they've got a great run game to look at um like Amber Main she was averaging over six yards a rush especially in the first half she was just eating up the yardage and there wasn't really even with like a pretty good Las Vegas defense they weren't really touching her until she got significantly downfield and so then you've got Danica Brace who's who had it she come in and you saw it at half time the fact that the team's so close within that one score at half time, and Danica Brace said, you know, there's there's a thing again going back to our, our YouTube, uh, showing Danica Brace trying to get her team riled up because we knew they could play better than that. But the fact is, Green Bay were giving it their all, and it really sort of, we sort of started watching the emergence of of some of the of some of the young stars and some of the the names we'd never even heard of. 
Yeah, and on that note, actually, you also have the Vegas Sin running back, Marky Henderson. Now, it wasn't really until the second half in that game that I don't think she really touched the ball, but it was a, a nice little change of pace because they were running a lot with Danica Brace, weren't they, off the inside handoff. Um, and she was doing a sterling job herself, to be fair, sort of coming in from the tight end position and then running with the ball. But then to change the pace to Marky Henderson, who has got some very, very nimble moves. Yeah, it seemed to, they, they like to run that a lot, actually. It seemed for a lot of a lot of the game, they were working on the inside, getting the tight ends to, to run. I can't remember the, the oh, it's, it's a shame that I actually can't remember off the top of my head the name of the first uh, touchdown scorer. Um, who was the other tight end? Marcus Fink. Um, I want to say Kia Ramos. Yes, yes, that was it. Kia Ramos. And she, they were using her as the other tight end. And basically, it was just just a simple, nice, simple inside cross. It seemed that the other change of pace that they, they went down to as well, Cummins seemed to understand when she could stand in the pocket and when she had to sort of dump it off to, to get what she could. And using Marky to that sort of that running back in the sort of catching sort of form where she sort of is that sort of check down receiver. Yeah, they did um, incredibly well. And, and coming back just briefly to... Uh, to Marky Henderson especially I think technically she's technically a rookie this year but I if I understood from the commentary correctly I think she didn't get to play last year because of an injury so although it's her second year it is her rookie season I, I, did I hear that correctly yeah I mean really you want to consider it as this almost like her her red shirt year you know she, she's been in the system and the organization but this is the first actual year of competition Absolutely, and actually just um, seeing what she was putting on Twitter, some of the running backs that she's trying to model herself on, uh, the sweetness, Walter Payton, and of course the great Barry Sanders. So she's trying to emulate them, and when she gets there, as uh, I think I may even uh, said to her as well in passing, just uh, if she can start running like Barry Sanders, there's going to be a lot of broken ankles in the LFL. (laughs) Yeah, I I think... The run games for both teams were, were very strong and important. And I think the development of both teams going forward is going to develop from... They both got two... I know um, Peyton isn't a, a rookie, but considering that she would, at different position, is essentially rookieing, it, it, it makes you wonder that they're going to look to these two running backs, Amber Main and, and Marky Henderson, to solidify offences so the quarterbacks can develop. Now, I think Cummins is going to develop a lot quicker because I think she she understands the game a little bit better from the quarterback position and I think she's she's more comfortable there uh, rather than say Peyton who's had to be molded into one I think it's almost like Cummins has come straight off the production line as a quarterback does that make sense it does and when you think about it though as well they've kind of they've both had reasonably big shoes to fill obviously Jessica Peyton's got the biggest shoes to fill with the um, retirement of Annie Erler but at the same time, Nicky Johnson was a very good quarterback for the Vegas Sin, so it's great that they've managed to get someone in Sydney Cummings coming in as a rookie and a lot of people are talking about as being the next Ashley Solano. Personally, I prefer to just say, you know, it's uh, Cindy Cummings, she's going to be the next best quarterback rather than comparing her to other superstars, but it's inevitable that you always get compared to your peers in the league. Yes, and I think the fact is that she's got that development now with... The partnership with Schmidt as well. Oh, yeah. I can't believe we haven't talked about Cynthia Schmidt yet. I think, actually, I may have got it mixed up. It may be Schmidt that's in her second year, but in her rookie year, not Marky Henderson. Possibly. I think I remember remember seeing Schmidt play last year. I think she was on our our list to watch. But 
I think really the quarterbacks sort of dynamic with their their wide receiver and the way that the these two girls have like molded together. You see that already. The fact that you know Schmidt's got nearly coming up to nearly a hundred yards um, receiving and four touchdowns. Yeah, in two games. Yeah, it, it goes a lot to say how how that dynamic has faced. Now you could sit there and go, um, why hasn't it quite worked the same with uh, with the chill? Because of course they got the uh, Anna Heisman there. Who they've uh, not been able to find much at all this year. Exactly. So you got to wonder whether there's the dynamic there, or, or or whether it's just the fact that you know as the the the, the game is in transition and the the players develop with that game and the game plan, you know, can it be made easier for this to develop? And I'm not sure whether that goes to Gilbert Brown's coaching methodology. I know we saw at one point we saw the same play four times in that game and it didn't work a single time. And you would have thought at some point you've got to sit there and you've got to go back and you've got to review it and you've got to make this. You've got to go back, like I said, to that chess analogy. Know what your pieces can do, their strengths and weaknesses, and how you're going to get them more strengths and less weaknesses out of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll we'll leave that game there for now because we want to come on to, before we move on to other things, um, I want to come on to the last game um, which we haven't had the chance to see yet that was played uh, the weekend just gone. Um, but before we get into that, here is what Atlanta Steam's quarterback Dakota Hughes had to say before the game. LA and Chicago are the heavyweights of the LFL, but after tonight, everybody will see who the beast of the East is and see that we can make a run for the Legends Cup. So as you can tell from that clip, Mark, she does sound very confident in her own abilities. Yeah, and this coming from uh, an 18-year-old rookie, it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And from the reports we've heard about the game, obviously we haven't had the chance to watch it yet as it was only just played on Saturday, but the final score being uh, 2013 to the steam and all settled in the last 40 seconds by a nice touchdown pass thrown by said rookie who'd had a, a bad first half with an interception and then to pull out the winning pass with, we understand, a broken wrist as well. Yeah, a lot of it's sort of talking about how she, she fought on through her first game and, um, and yeah, delivered big at a time when it counted. I'm assuming the broken wrist wasn't her throwing hand, but I don't know. <laughs> we don't know yet. Um, it, it, I'd have to say that's near super superhuman to, to throw, even if it was just to say a small bone broken, I'd say inflammation swelling that would cause is likely um, to have been her other risk but even still to be playing on with broken bones again it shows how the sport and the LFL athletes are evolving because again in the NFL you would get players that just go to the sideline and get strapped up when they get dislocations again they go to the sideline pop it back in place nine times out of ten they go back out there and it's just great to see the the commitment and the passion in, in the LFL players as well yeah, I mean, they don't have the setup as the NFL teams. So the fact is that they're they're putting their bodies on the line to actually go out there and deliver. There, there's heart and passion there, and I mean, credit to the heart. Clearly, to force a game this close, they they've made those improvements we were talking about from their, their from their first game from from the first drubbing. And but, again, I'm looking. Well, I need to see the game, but from some of the pictures I saw, I think they may have put Lindsay Noble back at quarterback. But again. After we've watched the game in time for the next podcast, we will be able to confirm whether Lindsay Noble did take more snaps at a quarterback rather than trying to get her to play receiver. How does an athlete reach the pinnacle of the LFL? Performance training. 
focus, yet ever active in their community. Film study. Practice. In superb condition, leading a healthy lifestyle. I'm an LFL athlete. Are you? Now, before we look ahead to the upcoming games, as we're nearly halfway through the season, I wanted to take a moment and kind of step back and talk about some of the players that have impressed on the pitch for both yourself, Marcus, and me. And I would like to start, if I may, with the Canadian imports in Seattle. Marianne Hansen, who I thought when she subbed in for Angela Rippon, she may have only completed one pass, but I'm sure you won't disagree that that offence looked a lot slicker when she actually came onto the field. A lot slicker. It has to be said that there's a confidence behind it and the accuracy of the pass is amazing. Absolutely. You said the accuracy of the pass. Is that what you just said? <laughs> accuracy of the pass. <laughs> because there was one completion out of five. Okay. Yeah, I see what you did there. Um, but the other Canadian import as well at running back, Stevie Schnorr. Good pick. I just think, thinking of the likes of Stevie Schnorr and uh, Carmen Borsay, how the NFL is evolving into a passing league, it's quite funny to see that the LFL seems to be evolving into more of a a power-orientated game with the offensive line and, and the big running backs who more or less bulldoze their opposition. Well, it's, it's you're on a small field, especially in the arena format as well. The sides are closed in, so it, it, it means there's less of a field to defend. And you're asking either to, to stretch the defence to the long bomb, which we've seen a couple of quarterbacks you know, use successfully, but the actual the intermediate interior pass game just isn't there and therefore trying to open something up it's so much easier to get that that ground and pound going on and th- there's some girls as well the dynamic between strength and speed it is interesting to see and and there's a little bit of um well i was saying obviously about the league sort of maybe evolving more towards a running game but then when we looked at the if you look at the australia season actually there was a lot more intermediate passing but do you think that was because it was played out on a field rather than enclosed in an arena. Although the dimensions would have been pretty much the same, do you think that because it was out in the open, they were happy to pass because they thought there would be more space, even though perhaps the dimensions would have been the same? Yeah, I think you, you can have more more time to maybe press out wider. Whereas you, if you're running out in the field, you're going to be looking to, to push the wings out a little bit more. Uh, when you've got the arena and the walls are enclosed on you, you might be more tempted to give yourself maybe an extra yard in from the barrier in, in case you're about to get hit. So therefore, it sounds weird, but a yard on each side is another two yards in the middle to exploit. Yeah, so you say even though the dimensions are the same because of the concerns of the the barriers, you think playing outside effectively mentally gives them two yards. Yes, and those two yards they're going to make a difference because you know you can't place everyone covering all the all the field at any given point um however like you said because of that dynamic it means that uh, more emphasis we've actually this year i've noticed a lot more emphasis on as well some of the middle linebackers as well that we're, we're taking an interest in yeah you've obviously got the the standout ones from from last year in, in gaxiola and brace but then Steinmetz as well. Well, I think she's technically classed as a, a defensive end, but at the same time, she just always seems to be around the ball, almost like a middle linebacker. Um, and of course, uh, Petrozello as well. Yeah, Petrozello. Um, uh, one one name that I sort of 
I wanted to make sure I got into the podcast because it was it was I thought we had to to give them their fair dues. The ladies who are out there actually putting you know everything to this. I think me and you did did ex- you know we were speaking about. It. I'm gonna really apologise now because trying to pronounce her name is uh, Elizabeth uh, Stravinsky from the Green Bay Chill. Yeah, remember we were talking about how we hadn't heard of her yet the dynamic she put on the game, she just always seemed to be, especially coming from the middle linebacker, straight up the centre, sort of being blowing out her opposition and finding a way to get to the ball carrier. I think also, actually, with with that in mind, I probably should mention uh, Jacqueline Smith as well, who got a tidy little interception in the uh, the steam match against the Heart this this week. So she obviously plays for the Heart. But um, I think she also deserves mention because last year, although she didn't get talked about as much as, as the likes of Brace and Gaxiola, she was still the uh if not the top tackler in the league she was the second yeah exactly so it seems to be placing this uh, as always as you get it's almost like an arms race where as your running backs get better and develop more speed strength maneuverability agility you're you're looking at your defensive line and your linebacking group especially of being able to being able to stop there get to the ball finding ways to exploit the offensive line and, and and put pressure on the quarterback as well. Absolutely. I just want to finish off before I sort of maybe we go back and have a look at um, some of the games I say we've now had the chance to see. One last player I want to... Well, actually, two last players I want to throw out there. Um, firstly is Michelle Angel, who is a safety for Los Angeles Temptation. I think I was obviously looking forward to the Solano-Gorman combination before before the league started, and people are probably sick of me talking about it now, but it was, it was to me, it was going to be just the best safety combination ever. But at the same time, Michelle Angel, who's come in, she was buzzing around the ball um, on pretty much every running play that the Bliss had, um, making lots of tackles, and she's pretty good in coverage too. I must admit, we, we did watch them, and there was one there, I definitely think, was it maybe a dropped interception? There's one she should definitely scooped up. I think there was that she did have a dropped interception, which you could see she was not very happy about at all. Yeah, but there's, there's room to develop. Again, as a player, you know, each of those drops, you're going to come back, you're going to review it, and you're going to learn from them. And uh, the the final one I want to uh, talk about, actually, is Lily Granston, the cornerback for Seattle. Again, um, I think another rookie this year. Seems to be a great run stopper on the edge. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of teams seem to be to be lacking that presence in mind where you're working out the, the edge rushing because, as, as you said, it's in an arms race here. How do you exploit the fact that the middle has got harder and the fact that the linebackers and the defensive line putting more pressure on you, you exploit that, you use your speed, you get outside them. So those corners are more coming into the game and they've got to not only now defend um, north-south, up and down the field with the wide receivers, they've got to be able to then turn on their heels and come in and on run support. So we really need to be possibly looking into the next couple of years of possibly seeing that our corners are going to to go up a size. You know, maybe the, the girls are going to get uh, slightly taller, uh, looking for players who have maybe got a little bit more more muscle on them rather than the sort of the nippy girls to just keep up with the the wide receivers. And finally, there's um, I know I said I was just going to stop with two, but while we were just talking, it's just popped in my head. Can't believe I've missed out. Possibly from what I've seen this season, the best form tackler in the league. This is barring none. So it's better than the safeties I've seen. Better than the linebackers I've seen. Kelly Campbell, cornerback for the Las Vegas Sin, coming back into the league this year after a year off. Every tackle she makes, unbelievable. Absolutely. And from that, you can see again that she's she's just slightly more slightly more built. She's got that more sort of uh, run stopping sort of 
definition to her. And like you said, maybe it's the year off has just given her that sort of, uh, you know, she's missed out on another year's aggression. So she's just piloting it all into this year, catching up for lost time. But yeah, that that's really part strong. I think that's a great look into to how you want to, as an LFL corner, sort of emulate yourself towards. How does she do it? What can I do? And bring that same intensity to your games. Yeah, absolutely. So now we'll just finish off with the um a few of the games we've now got to see before we then finish off by looking ahead to the, the games we've we've got to see. So I want to go to the the Seattle Green Bay game from yep. May the second, Friday, May the second. Now we've we've again it's a game we've we've talked about all sorts of various different players and, and to be fair, I've we've I know I've been a little bit harsh on Green Bay, but actually sitting down and I'm watching that game. Maybe the scoreline is a little bit flattering for Seattle because for the first half, it was touchdown for Green Bay, touchdown for Seattle. It was very um, 50-50, wasn't it? It could have gone either way that game up to maybe sort of the last two minutes of the first half. Yeah, I think they would have been disappointed going in at half time because I think they were into the game and sort of let it run away from them. Again, Peyton developing as a quarterback, you've got to give her time to, to stay in the pocket. Uh, she wasn't actually given that sort of time, the sort of offensive line just... She constantly had to get flushed out and use her legs. Now, great the fact that she's got the ability to use those legs, and I think that really saved it from getting an embarrassing score. Is is her actual athletic ability? And uh, you know, Jessica Payton is a fantastic athlete. However, you've got to be able to give her time to develop as a quarterback, and she's going to develop through positive experience. Yeah, great so, that she knows. So that last, sorry, mate. So uh, yeah, thinking of uh, positive. Well, it's not really a positive experience, but those last sort of two minutes of that first half, she's going to have to try and forget, isn't she? Because in my eyes, that last two minutes of that that first half, she threw two pick sixes to Jessica Hopkins, one of which was one of the sickest one-handed picks I think I've seen in a while. Yes, to be fair, I just said uh, Peyton is a formidable athlete. Um, you know. The way that was just scooped up, uh, one handed, almost almost effortlessly, it was just sort of almost just plucked in in a sort of nonchalant way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, both picks were good, but that one handed one. Just remember seeing it, I was like, she picked that off. Holy cow! That was just amazing. And then to be able to run it in for the score as well, and those two quick touchdowns right at the end of the half really saved that game for Seattle. I don't think there's any doubt there. Yeah, I think working with the the change um changing quarterback just gave that team another dynamic, but yeah, I mean the the stops on defense and the fact that you managed to turn them into points, I think really if you if you look at that, that's 12 points off that that score. You know, that's a that's a completely different game there if you take if you take the shall we say the defensive points off. Um, you're looking at 24-26. It would have been a two-point game if uh, but for Jessica Hopkins' touchdowns. Exactly. Spanhead Productions are a small, independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Okay, so now I think it's time we look ahead to the games we've got coming up before we finish off for the month. It's so bad. Only a, 
only get to do this once a month. If only, man, if they're played five or six games every week, I can't wait till we get to a stage where there's that many LFL games that we can just do a podcast every week like we do with the NFL. But anyways, that aside, we're looking at Friday, June the 13th. We've got Seattle versus Chicago Bliss in what is potentially, I know you never say never, but if Chicago win that game, we said before they're going to win the Western Conference, right? Yeah, for me, um, Friday the uh, Friday the thirteenth. Unlucky for some, I think this is really this is the game for the West. Yeah, absolutely. And the the question as well is, who will Seattle start at quarterback? Will they will they risk uh, ripping in a in a big game because she does need the experience, or will they go with the? Well, this is the thing they've got. Rippon, but they've also got that MVP of the uh, the Canadian Legends Cup in Marianne Hansen. So, which way do you go for such a big game? Do you give your uh, your franchise quarterback the confidence and let her play in the big game, or do you say, well, actually, if I maybe put Hansen in first and try and keep the ship nice and steady, and then I can develop Rippon if I need to towards the end of the game? I'm putting Hansen in at the start. Yeah, it's the way it goes. I, I think for me is that. The one on form gets to play. Now, well, of course, we don't get to see what happens in practice and stuff, and we don't get to see no, how you know maybe they you don't get to see how maybe they've, they've implemented a plan with Ripon at the head, trying to somehow get her involved in that game. For me personally, though, I got a result with Hansen. I'm putting Hansen in. Yeah, and as you said before, if as they're coming up against the uh, the best defensive line in the league, according to Mr. Henson, and to be fair, I don't know that I can necessarily argue against that because, like you say, Taylor, Rice, Onley, yeah, I think you're looking at, yeah, I'd agree the best. So, again, you need the experience to be able to deal with the amount of pressure that is going to be getting to the Seattle quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think Rippon... Just looks a little flustered in the pocket sometimes, especially under pressure. I think Hanson's got the comfortability that she's she's gone and she's got um, she's got the experience, a lot of experience in Canada, the MVP status from Canada. You know, I think she'd be your stronger stronger playmaker. What is also I think here the weakness for the Bliss is you're going to have to go and attack that secondary. I think if you're going to get any any sort of chance of winning the game. Um, there's a couple of sort of younger sort of corners that didn't really play out to my expectations in LA. And we saw them, as I mentioned about Kiara Patson using her speed to exploit down the sideline. I think that is where Mist is going to have to use it. Uh, I think Hansen's got the arm to do that. So I think that's where your game plan comes in. Run the ball, you know, express the use of the run. But really, that is just there to suck the, the secondary in and then exploit the deep threat when there's no one there to defend it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be another close game, I think, because if they do get that running game going behind Stevie Schnorr, which I don't see there being a, a problem with, it's gonna it really is going to open up the, um, the passing game going deep on that secondary. So let's move on from that. We then have, on June the 21st, we have Baltimore Charm against Toledo Crush. So the first chance we'll get to see the crush this year, and pun intended, will they be crushed? See, this is this is going to be an interesting one because for me, it's it's going to be a case of both. Really, I mean, we saw we saw a little bit of the charm against the breeze, but not enough that I thought there was going to be. I mean, we saw how the quarterback change and development there was going on. I think with Toledo Crush, we want to see how theirs is playing out as well. I think it's too. Two developing teams, two teams re-emerging themselves in the league, trying to find where they belong. 
And I think both really it's going to be an experience for those two teams to really put sort of showcase showcase what they're where where they are and where they need to go absolutely and then we finish up on june the 28th with atlanta steam versus baltimore child now after the game this weekend again do we see this being anything other than a, a steam victory or will it maybe be a bit closer than than we'd want to give it credit for i actually think if um if dakota gets healthy if she she has got a broken wrist and it's uh as long as that's not going to affect her, and it clearly doesn't affect her in-game, but if, if, say, you know, she's given time to heal, she's got better part of a month, I'd like to see that the fact is that the Charm, actually, the Hearts have a great defence, and that's basically what they centred around. We knew the Charm, uh, the Heart had had a great defence. The problem was um, they didn't have an offence to, you know, take advantage of the fact when the defence works. Charm don't have that as much. I don't think they have a stronger defence. I think the Steam, they've managed to hold themselves in their own, um, we're going to see more, of course, this side of the pond, we'll see more of this as we get to see the, the Heart-Steam game. But I think it should be the Steams. However, Baltimore are going to get a game to run into this. And they're going to get a game against the Crush to run into this. So therefore, because they're playing weeks back to back, I could see a bit of momentum surging with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely does. And I think we saw last year with Chicago the the run towards the end of the season they had where they had about two or three games back to back when you include the playoffs as well their last two I think regular season games were back to back and then that led them nicely into the playoff game against LA and then against Seattle and um, I think they just kind of rolled on with that momentum from the last league games being played so close together to then be able to put it into the playoffs and, and not having a rest between games I think really helped them exactly and I think charm if they're gonna take victory off the steam they're gonna have to use the crush game to learn how they can defeat the steam absolutely right so that finishes off with all the games we have to look forward to before we bring you the next episode of lfl talk which of course is downloadable on itunes sports you in association with delicious deli and don't forget to also check out our website www.ballhawksnest.com where we bring you regular articles from the LFL as well as this great podcast so until the same time next month Marcus it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show sir it's been so much fun as always thank you very much sir and until next time football fans stay safe take care and thanks for stopping by bye